2: You're Listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at Pastor Scott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Hey, everybody, happy Monday to you.
1: Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. I hope that you are doing fine. It finally is. December, Christmas time, and uh, it's good to be with you like we are each and every day from three to five, and we talk about the issues of the day from a Christian perspective. We're going to have Dr. Robert Jeffress on the show in uh, the next segment, so you want to stay tuned for that. He's going to be talking about, are we in the end times? The subject of his new book, Are We in the End Times? And, you know, people, Christians have asked that forever, right? Are we in the end times? But the world sure is moving fast right now. You know, it's I remember during the COVID, when that started, I felt like what we did was we hit the fast forward button on headed towards the end times, whenever that is actually going to happen. And with the insanity that we are seeing today on a whole host of different issues, but also including just the the amazing amount of anti-Semitism we're seeing in the world today, what has um been shown every day. I want you to listen to this. This is a group of people, it's four or five hundred people who are protesting in Philadelphia this weekend outside of a is a, a restaurant owned by a Jewish man, falafel restaurant in in um Philadelphia. So, you're in a restaurant and you're enjoying some uh, deep fried uh, falafel. You ever have falafel? It's good. It's a deep fried uh, chickpeas and some other things. And uh, it's a Middle Eastern uh, meal that actually was invented uh, probably, most people think it started maybe in Egypt, but a thousand years ago. Um, although the modern version of it started in the uh, 1800s, in the 19th century. And, you know, it's an interesting thing that today there's so many things that are wrong with, uh, you know this entire thing that was happening in Philadelphia. Um, the it's funny Jewish people get accused of stealing the falafel from Palestinians, but Palestinians, um, modern day Palestinians, didn't uh, even exist uh when the falafel was invented in fact it's a it's a meal that probably has arab origins but it's from the middle eastern area including the land that uh, israel is on uh, all of israel by the way was palestine uh, pal were palestinians israelis were palestinians before so uh before 1948 um and uh, there weren't you know there are arab palestinians and jewish palestinians but there wasn't a third group of palestinians that didn't happen until the 1960s and um, the the charge outside of the restaurant. Imagine that you're sitting there, and the only reason that they're there, they were marching through Philadelphia in the typical protest that we've been seeing, but they deliberately targeted this restaurant called Goldie's because the uh, the head chef at uh, Goldie's his name is Michael Solomonoff, and he owns the restaurant. Uh, and he has raised some money to help uh, Israelis who are recovering from the attack on over on October 7th. But I can't imagine, we're living in a time now, I've never thought I would see it like this, where you can attack a people group, a person who just happens to be part of a people group, for something that actually has nothing to do with. And the charge of anti-Semitism is you know, very often the way you discover what that is, is would you do this to some other people group? Is it, are you holding one person group, people group to a standard that's different than another standard? I don't think I've ever seen this, you know, short of obviously the KKK did this to black businesses and it would attack those businesses during Jim Crow and other times. There's modern day things where this happens occasionally, but not hundreds of people and not in a situation like today in Philadelphia or yesterday in Philadelphia, where the police are not called. Is it A peaceful protest when you attack a person's business and chant like this outside a person's business just because of their nationality. The protesters are demanding a ceasefire, of course, in the Israel-Hamas war that is going on. You know, the, the thing is is that the, what they're demanding is that Israel have a ceasefire, but not Hamas. Hamas can do anything, according to many of these people, um, any means necessary is also part of the chance, meaning that they get to do whatever they want to, but Israel has to stop defending itself. So you'd never ask any other country to do that or any other people group anywhere to do that. No one would put up with that anywhere else in the world and the mayor of phil or the yeah the governor of uh pennsylvania came out and uh and called it a blatant act of anti-semitism he said and it is something that we are seeing more and more often throughout our country and you know it gets to a it gets into a place and then when you're dealing with war you're dealing with terrible things no matter what no matter how you look at it terrible things are happening uh in this war there are terrible things that happened in Israel on October 7th and there are terrible things that are happening in Gaza as the war uh progresses now the ceasefire you probably know ended a while ago a lot of hostages were released but there are still well over 100 hostages still kept um, in Gaza. This is the Pastor Scott Show. You can join the conversation by calling 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. You know, there is when you get into the terribleness of the whole situation, the anti-Semitism, the war, and in in many ways it's a very in the in the misunderstanding of what's going on, the whole genocide, you know, issue the Palestinians have grown in population over time. It's a lousy genocide, if that's what Israel's trying to do, because they aren't reducing the population of of Palestinians uh, at all. It is, you know, except for some people dying, obviously, in this war here, but over the period of time that the genocide is being accused, the population has grown tremendously over that period of time. There are messages that are being sent that, in all of this, that make it, um that are important for us to discern the difference. You know, one of the signs of the end times. We talked about that before as we started here. One of the signs of the end times is that people will be deceived. That's the first thing that Jesus says. You know, Jesus and I can imagine if you're sitting with Jesus and you're with him and all the disciples and you're gathered, you know, you're all gathered around together, what are you going to say? You're going to say, "Jesus, how does it all end?" Human beings have always had a sense that the world is going to end at some point. And in the whole process of trying to figure out philosophically, is there a God? Why are we here? And then once you decide you understand that, then you you have religion. And the idea is, uh, how do we please God? The idea is not only are you going to die, but also one day this will all end. And the disciples felt that. And, of course, they had the Old Testament that talks a lot about the end times, and there were misunderstandings about that, obviously, uh, we would say, as Christians. Matthew 24, Jesus left the temple, and he's walking away with his disciples. that came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things? Truly, I tell you, not one stone here will be left on one another. Every stone will be thrown down. Interestingly enough, side note from history, is that... Uh, whenever the Romans took uh, took out the temple in AD 70, and they destroyed all of it, they said that the fires were so hot that it melted all the gold and everything in there, and that the Romans literally turned over every, t- every stone in order to get the gold out, to harvest the melted gold that melted down and then sort of traveled through all of the cobblestones. And a lot of people said, you know, Jesus, you know, normally when people say not one stone will be unturned, you know, they're not literally saying every single stone and that may not have been exactly the case, but people noticed that the stones were being undone after all of that. And so people said, his disciples says, What will happen after the end of the age will be a sign of your your coming. And I can't stress this more. The first thing Jesus says is, Watch out that no one deceives you. Period. And then he said, For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah. And over and over again you have this idea of deception at the end times. Deception is what you have at the beginning of time. Deception is what you have when you have the serpent in the garden. And you know, whatever you think of that story, we're not even gonna get into to that right now. The the point of that story is that the devil will very, very carefully just twist the words of God around. And you throw out words like genocide in here, and you think, oh, genocide is bad. Are they committing genocide? Which is remarkable, since Hamas specifically, according to themselves, is a genocidal organization because they want to kill Jews in Israel and around the world. And you have genocides in the world that have been terrible. You had genocides in Rwanda, genocide, Armenian genocide. The Turks killed uh, and reduced the population of Armenians in uh, Rwanda. I think it's the Tutsis, if I have it right, they were reduced their population you know genocides eventually reduce the populations of people groups and to call it a genocide when the population is actually getting bigger and the population is allowed in many ways not only to thrive but allowed to become citizens of Israel if you want and you have full rights uh, if you are a citizen it is a uh, it's a word that is not fair to people groups who have actually suffered from genocide see but we twist things around in such a way that and in the midst of things just being bad in general, we kind of say, "Oh yeah, it's all bad." But it's important that we get this right. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven is the number. Pastor Scott Show, Oscar and San Gabriel. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hello. Hi, Oscar. Go ahead.
2: Oh, well, Pastor Scott, love your show. Uh, uh, just three things, Pastor. Uh, I love Israel, and I love Trump. And uh, this falafel food, whatever it's called, if it's Israeli, I will keep buying it and eating it. But if it's not Israeli, I'm not going to poison my soul with it. Just that I wanted to say. Thank you, Pastor.
1: Well, all right, Oscar. I think, uh, you know, I think the falafel, the falafel may not be good for you. It's deep fried, you know, and uh, maybe it's taking more people out than we should acknowledge, you know, than we can say. But uh, it's it's pretty yummy. And it's it's. You know it's Israeli, but it's also Arab. It's also Middle Eastern or Mediterranean, you know however you want to define it. you can go look up the uh, the history of it. It's weird when we start to racialize the food and and we have this thing today where you know people say what's it called what's it called when you want to take over somebody's cultural appropriation?" right? Like, uh, none of us should be wearing shoes, because the Dutch, I think, came up with the modern shoe or something, and then we're culturally appropriating uh, them by putting these things on our feet. Uh, it doesn't make any sense once you do that. We should we should enjoy uh, the food of different um, uh, parts, different regions in the world, and different people groups, and we should share those things, and we should acknowledge where they come from, but we should be truthful about that, uh, I think, and we should enjoy all of it, as, uh, as I do. In fact, off the top of my head, I can't think of a ethnic food that I can't find something that I actually like. There's some I like better than others, but uh, I'm a food guy a little bit too much in some respects. This is the Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. The other conversation that is interesting that is going on in the uh, Israeli, is really this is going on here. This is not a conversation that's going on in the war zone very much. This is a very Western uh, argument, and many of the sort of Western uh, academic arguments that have been going on really are hardly related to what people on the ground say. That's why I always encourage you to go read the go read the Hamas charter. You know, Hamas does not deny you know, what they're doing. Hamas's attitude about all this, by the way, is, and they say it very, very openly, is, uh, you know, we would like Israel to stop us, but we're not going to stop. We are going to keep doing this again and again and again and again and again. We're going to keep firing rockets. We're going to keep attacking them. We're going to—our entire organization exists to kill everybody over there. We actually are genocidal. They will admit that. They will say that. They will They will say our purpose is to kill Israelis. So if, if you guys marching down the street would like a, a ceasefire and like Israel to stop, uh, be my guest. That'll make it easier for us to kill them. See, that's the actual Hamas argument, Um, and if you don't grab that, if you don't understand that, then this is a hard issue to follow because it's terrible what you're watching on the news or in videos when you see uh, so many people in uh, Gaza being killed, although it's also important to realize is that Israel is actually taking the time to say, Hey, you guys need to get out of there. People dispute, you know, there's a whole nother conversation about, you know, 15,000 people died and, you know, is that number real or false? Well, it's probably made up. However, it's kind of irrelevant because a lot of people have died for sure in the bombings uh, in Gaza. And, uh, you know, the number isn't right because they can just whip that number out. It takes weeks and months to sort of actually calculate who's died and who hasn't it takes a long time to do that Um, but it's in a way it's irrelevant because a lot of people are obviously dying but israel is saying and the international community is saying the united states is continuing to say that the bombing that is going on is upholding international law and uh, there was an interesting conversation that happened with a spokesperson for the uh, idf israel's military on sky news where the reporter chimed in with some talking points that are also not accurate.
0: Just wanted to ask you very quickly about that digital map. You're telling people where it's going to be targeted next. So the people digital, map, the
1: digital map is this, just so that we understand. What Israel is doing is saying, hey, here's the areas where we're going to be bombing. You should get out of there. And they're putting that information out a couple of days in advance. And if you live in these buildings, if you live in this area, this is where we're bombing next and we're telling you to get out. Okay, that's what Israel is doing. Now, Hamas is saying we want you to stay in there because it works for Hamas the more Palestinians who die, the more Palestinians who are not combatants who die. Uh, and that's, that is going on the ground. That's what Hamas does. All right? They kill Palestinians as well. Israel makes a point of saying, hey, we're going to bomb these buildings. Now, the talking point that's new is that these people don't have any electricity, so they can't charge their phones and they don't get the message. Uh, and the maps to download just says where the bombing's going to be. Now, listen to how this, this goes. So the Sky News reporter adopts those talking points and then you hear the response. I
0: just wanted to ask you very quickly about that digital map. You're telling people where it's going to be targeted next. People don't have power to power up their uh, mobile phones. They haven't got Wi-Fi. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think you and all of your viewers saw our hostages being paraded through the streets as they were released to Israel over those seven nights and hundreds of Gazans holding their phones, videoing them. So clearly there's enough power to power their phones when they're parading our hostages throughout Gaza, now that same power to their phones will be to get the maps, download the maps, look at the flyers, and don't forget, we're not only... I'm so sorry, we are out of time, but we appreciate... So suddenly he cuts
1: him off, and and I know sometimes you you come up upon a hard break, but uh, probably not in that case. Uh, It's that he completely destroyed this whole notion that there's no power. When you see on all of these videos, who's uploading these videos? Where do they get the power to do that? uh there is power there is uh, a lot of deliberate misinformation and then there is falsehoods that are just part of the fog of war you know all of this in the bigger picture when you look at this and the fact that there is this kind of war and the fact that you see the, the world coming up against Israel in a way that they don't come up against anybody else. And by the way, this is not to say that Israel does everything right, right? This is not to say that uh, Israel may not have violated some laws here and there. There's a lot of good questions that people ask about uh, treatment of Palestinians, particularly in the West Bank. Uh, they left Gaza in 2005, and uh, it's been much better there. But there's a lot of legitimate questions but to deny the barbarism and the fact that israel's neighbors openly say we want to kill you and are attempting and succeeding in some cases is to not truthfully describe the situation or to describe something as a genocide that isn't or to describe something as an apartheid state that isn't those things don't help and the protests up and down the streets making chants about murdering jews or attacking people who just happen to be jewish who run restaurants um and that being allowed and authorities not called see i think that the that when you attack a people group like that in some protest you know you're not protesting the government anymore you're protesting you are attacking the owner of the place and the people who are there and i don't know i don't think that that's peaceful you know there's some place you know the joke was when the all those summer riots in 2020, the peaceful protest guy, where he's saying, "Oh, it's mostly peaceful," and there's a gas station on fire, literally right behind him. Uh, I'm sure most people there didn't light the place on fire, but you know, when you when you have violence and people getting killed and stuff, it's not peaceful. And when you have people being attacked and forced to stay in their homes or forced to stay in a building on their campus or unable to move about, it's not a peaceful thing. All of these things are not surprising in the way human beings are reacting, and especially, I would say, biblically speaking, the way people treat Jewish people. That there will be a time, as irrational as it is, where people decide they're going to attack Israel and the people of Israel. Does that make you think it's the end times? I was talking to my mom about this question, and you know, she was a little kid during World War II, and she said, oh yeah, we all thought it was the end times back then. Uh, with Hitler going after the Jews, and we thought this might be the end. Well, obviously it wasn't back then. Uh, is that the end times now? You know, when we come back after the break, we're going to have Dr. Robert Jeffers with us. And uh, he wrote a book all about this question, are we living in the end times? And he's going to talk about that with us. And I think it'll be a good discussion because Christians have always thought it's the end times. And every time something happens in Israel or the Middle East, you have people saying, oh, this must be the end times. Uh, you know what? One day it will be is that day today or another day? Well, we'll talk about that with Dr. Robert Jeffress in just a few minutes when we come back from the break. This is the Pastor Scott Show. You can follow me on social media at Pastor Scott Show, at Pastor Scott Show. We'll be back with Dr. Robert Jeffress. Stay tuned.
2: You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at scott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Hi, everybody.
1: Welcome back to the Pastor Scott Show. Always good to be with you. We've been talking about are we living in the end times? That's a question that has been asked for a long time. And with us to talk about it is Dr. Robert Jeffress. You probably know Dr. Robert, Robert Jeffress from being on this station. He's on, he's heard nationwide in over a thousand stations, including right here on KKLA at 10 a.m. weekdays and 11 a.m. in San Diego on K Praise. Uh, Dr. Jeffress, welcome back to the Pastor Scott Show.
3: Pastor Scott, great to be with you as always.
1: It's great to have you on again, and uh, if for those people who are watching our live stream, they might see behind you are uh, tons of books, many rows and rows of books in a library. Is that your personal library, or uh, um, does your library look like that? Do you, have, do you still use solid books? I do. I do it the old-fashioned way, uh,
3: but these are my books. Uh, I'm coming to you from our uh, study at First Baptist Church in downtown Dallas.
1: You know, it's – I was talking to you in the break, and and as a pastor myself, I have tons of books, and my dad just retired, and he has a couple thousand books. And, you know, we're looking at what to do with – I have a lot of digital books, I have to say. I have thousands of digital books. It's hard to not go that way.
3: Well, I've managed to find a way not to. (laughs) You know – too well, lazy to learn how to do it, I
1: guess. You know, an interesting thing about that, though, and maybe you know, people would remark on this, and you've probably had this experience when they come in my office and they see all of these books, that we have a scholarly faith, that our faith is not just a bunch of religious conjecture and uh, but, you know, just trying to ramble on. We have a faith that is built into history in real places and real events, don't we?
3: We do. And I mean, it's interesting, though, Christmas story that we all are going to read from Luke chapter 2. Uh, Dr. Luke uh, went to great uh, trouble to put actual dates and places to show his friend Theophilus, to whom he was writing this account of Christ's birth, this wasn't some cleverly devised fable, as Peter said, that they thought up in the upper room. This is a faith that's built on fact, historical fact. It really happened, and that's one reason that we have great confidence in our faith.
1: That's right. There are so many uh, things to study and research, and, you know, the Christmas story, we're going to hear about Caesar Augustus, and we're going to hear about... uh, Uh, King Herod. And the interesting thing is that these people are footnotes in a real story of Jesus Christ, the most important story there is.
3: Well, that's right. You know, the whole Christmas story starts not in Bethlehem, but in Rome, 1,400 miles away. Uh, The government was running out of money and was facing a shutdown. Does that sound familiar to you? They had to come (laughs) up with some more revenue. So just like government, they said, let's tax the people. And uh, Octavian was his actual name. Mm -hmm. Uh, We called him Caesar Augustus. Octavian declared that everybody needed to go to their home city in order to register to be taxed. Little did Octavian know that the decree he was signing would cause a couple he had never met to travel to a village so small it wasn't even on the registry of cities, Bethlehem, to give birth to the Savior of the world.
1: It's an amazing story. It's an amazing story. i like to point out, too, that today you'd think that uh, the Caesars would be our most important historical figures, but only if you're kind of into it. Um, But today we name our kids after Mary and Joseph and Peter and Paul and those biblical names, and we name our dogs after the uh, Nero, uh, the the Caesars, Nero, and people like that. Uh, Funny how things turn. It is. So we have been talking often, of course, about what's happening in Israel on our program, and in particular today we're talking about the anti-Semitism that we are seeing all over the world, but including here in the United States, I think in ways that... You people say, I never thought so, but you kind of never thought so. Not like we're seeing it now. And it leads people to really ask, are we living in the end times? And that's the subject of your new book.
3: That's right. The new book, Are We Living in the End Times? uh, uh, Biblical answers to seven questions about the future. Uh, Scott, I did this uh, in the... Uh, shortest amount of time, there were so many people asking us questions after October 7th and the brutal Mm. attack on Israel. Is this the end times? What does it mean that I wrote this book and we published it in less than a month? And it uh, releases tomorrow. It's available not only at Amazon, but in all bookstores. Uh, Hobby Lobby is placing it at the checkout counter at every one of their stores, because these are important issues we need to talk about And uh, I believe, you know, Jesus said in Matthew 24, no man knows the hour of the day of the Lord's return, not even the Son of God himself. So I figure, you know, we if uh, Jesus didn't know when he was on earth anyway, the day of his return, uh, God certainly hasn't told me. But even though we can't calculate the exact time, we're to be aware of the signs and most importantly, be ready. And that's what this book talks about, about how what has happened in Israel, does it fit into the end times? If so, where and what does it mean for Bible prophecy?
1: This is the Pastor Scott Show. My guest is Dr. Robert Jeffress. He's the senior pastor of the First Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas, and uh, you hear him every day on this radio station, and his new book is called, Are We Living in the End Times? Biblical Answers to Seven Questions about the Future. So let me just ask you, uh, are we living in the end times? How do you approach that question today? Well, technically
3: the answer is no. Uh, The end times is a very specific uh, period of time in scripture that begins when the Antichrist signs a peace covenant with Israel, and it lasts for seven years and climaxes with the Lord Jesus' visible return and the establishment of his kingdom on earth. Uh, Jesus called those last seven years a horrible time. They're like birth pangs before a mother uh, gives birth. But uh, the fact is that tribulation will result in something good, and that is the return of Christ and the establishment of his kingdom. We're not there yet, but we are in the period of time the Bible calls the last days. We have been in the last days since the ascension of Christ into heaven 2,000 years ago. But I believe a case can be made that we are in the last of the last days. And uh, the next event that happens is the rapture. There's no sign that has to be fulfilled for the rapture to take place. And once that rapture of the church occurs, then the Antichrist rises to power and you begin the final uh, countdown for the end times.
1: I think it's a great distinction that you made there between end times and last days. I think that is a, a very good way to look at that. Um, Christians, and, you know, I think are often asking, you know, is this the end and really seeking toward it. But sometimes we seek answers that are outside of Scripture. For example, there is a book out there that you can still buy on eBay, and it claims that Gorbachev, Mikhail Gorbachev, is the Antichrist back from the uh, 1990s. And I think the whole theory was because he had that birthmark on his head, and that no. must be the mark of the beast or something, right? Um and you, you think about things like that, people have made a lot of claims about the times we're in and have been wrong.
3: Yeah, and I talk about that in the first chapter of my book, Are We Living in the End Times? All of the uh, uh, prophecies and predictions that have been made that didn't come true. And by the way, it, Pastor, it's not just kooky Christians doing it, globalists have done it. Back in 1975, the great fear was global not warming but cooling there was a prediction that we would be in an ice age by the year 2000 when that didn't happen the focus changed to global warming warming and you're hearing the predictions that if nothing is done the world's ice caps are going to melt and the world's going to flood I can promise you that is not going to happen. And I say that with emphasis because God's already promised us he's not going to destroy the world by a flood. I tell these environmental wackos, if they want to just sleep well at night, look at a rainbow. That's God's promise. He's not going to destroy the world with a flood, but he is going to destroy it one day by fire.
1: You know, when you study you know, anthropology, people groups from all over the place, going all the way back to however far back we can go, ancient Egypt, there is a sense that human beings have, that there will be an end of the world somehow, someday. I think that everybody is expecting that. I think that there's a political reason that fuels the fire of the uh, alarmist stuff that we've been dealing with in our time. But there's always been a sense of, uh, hey, all of this is going to end someday. What should we do to get prepared for that? Because it's certainly going to end one day when we die. But, yeah. you know, how how should we get prepared for the these last days?
3: Well, I think, first of all, we ought to realize the end is coming, like you said, uh, for us individually, if not for uh, the world as a whole, both are going to happen. I had a fascinating experience uh, about 10 years ago. I was on Fox News with the late Alan Combs, Mm -hmm. who used to be the resident liberal at Fox News. And when I first started there, he became a great friend. He would have me on his show all the time, even though he was Jewish, always give me a chance to share the gospel. And one time he said, Pastor, do you believe you'll be alive to see Jesus return to earth one day? I said, Alan, I don't know, but you know what? It really doesn't make any difference. He said, what do you mean it doesn't make any difference? I said, well, I'm 58 years old, and I know in the next 30 years, either he's coming or I'm going, but the end is coming closer and closer for me and for you, and we better be ready for it. And I would say, Pastor, that's the most important thing to do, is to be sure you're ready for the end times by being dressed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ himself. Not in your own righteousness, but in the righteousness of Christ. But I think it goes beyond that. I mean, seeing that the end is coming, we need to be more fervent and preaching the gospel, sharing the gospel with as many people as we can. We don't need to hunker down. We don't need to get in our holy huddle. This is a time for Christians to be on the move and to be sharing the gospel.
1: When we think about that, I have had a lot of discussions about this lately, and uh, we're going to have to take a break here. Do you have time to uh, stick with me for one more segment, or do you have to go? Absolutely. We'll we'll talk about this maybe a little bit more when we get back um, and, you know, some other things. But because of what is going on, I have had many people you know, say, this is the end times, and I'm so excited for Jesus to coming back, but almost like what I'm going to do is uh, kick back on my chase lounge and just wait for that day to come. Uh, that's not the, the attitude we should have as believers.
3: No, absolutely not. Uh, this is a time for us to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, as the Apostle Paul said.
1: That's right. Well, when we come back, what uh, I'd like to ask you about is uh, some of those steps as you see it, maybe ask you about the Israel thing and your opinion about what's going on there. I think that, you know, as this goes on, if you've been around a long time, you kind of go, well, this has happened before. It'll probably work itself out. But there's such a... um, intensity right now with it. So we'll talk about that and a little bit more about your book. Dr. Robert Jeffress, his book is called Are We Living in the End Times? You can get it right now on amazon.com. It comes out tomorrow, so it'll be perfect timing to go grab that, Are We Living in the End Times? And you can order that right now wherever books are sold. We'll be back with Dr. Robert Jeffress as the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned
2: Hi,
1: everybody. Welcome back. Pastor Scott Show. Great to be with you today. My special guest is Dr. Robert Jeffress. He is the senior pastor of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, a regular Fox News contributor, and his daily program, Pathway to Victory, is heard on more than a thousand stations nationwide, including right here in KKLA uh, at uh, 10 o'clock every day and 11 o'clock on KPRZ in San Diego. Uh, Dr. Jeffress, thanks for being with me today uh, once again. And you've got a new book, Uh, Are We Living in the End Times? So we've been talking. Talking about that question, and uh, your this book is uh, very much a response to what happened in Israel on October seventh. Let's talk about that for a minute. What was your initial thought with all of this?
3: Well, you know, for years, people have wondered, how can Revelation be right that all the world forces would descend upon this tiny nation, Israel, that's no bigger than the state of New Jersey? Why would the world leaders come to the plain of Megiddo? How could this be an international conflict? And I think we've seen over the last month how that could happen, how a regional conflict could quickly escalate into a world war with all the major nations of the world participating. And you know, I have a chapter in my book, uh, Pastor, Are We Living in the End Times? on the role of Israel in the end times. My predecessor, Dr. Chriswell, used to say, if you wanna know where we are on God's timeline, look at Israel. Israel is God's alarm clock. And I think that's true this time. You know, uh, the whole story of the Bible is a story of man's alienation from God, Genesis 1 to 11, and then God's reconciliation with man that begins in Genesis 12 through the end of the Bible. And that reconciliation plan for a savior all begin with Israel. God made a promise to Abraham that he was going to give him a nation, he would give him a land, and through him the world would be blessed. And the rest of the Bible is the story of that fulfillment. You know, Pastor, what most people don't understand is God promised Israel, unlike any other nation, the promise of endurance, they would endure forever. And ever since God made that promise, not 75 years ago, 4,000 years ago, God made that promise— ever since that time, Satan has tried to disprove God. He's tried to destroy Israel. He's done it with human leaders like Pharaoh, Herod, Antiochus Epiphanes, uh, Adolf Hitler. Were are all satanically inspired to try to destroy God's chosen people to show that God's impotent and can't keep his promise. And that's why what we saw in Israel over this last month, this is not Hamas attacking Israel. This is Hamas and its sponsor iran waging war against almighty god and that is a war nobody can win
1: you know when you uh, read the hamas charter i always encourage our listeners to read that if you have questions because they're very honest about what they're about and it's a very yes. religious document uh you know from a islamic standpoint of where they are and i think people you know when you talked about this whenever this happened, we immediately had, what, two aircraft carriers in the Mediterranean Sea. We've got ships all over the place. And, you know, whenever the Russians invaded Ukraine, it was a big story for a long time, obviously, but there was a lot of talking and a lot of, we're going to send some money and some things. And it kind of died down, still going on. I think that there's a lot of tension about China going into Taiwan, and that's for real. But the response to what happened in this little country, when there are atrocities happening all over the world actually in different ways that are similar to what Hamas did, that should say something to people about the importance of this country.
3: Yeah, it's it's a spiritual battle. That's why there's such intensity and it's gone on for so long. And when you think about it, there is no natural reason for people to hate the Jewish people like they do. This is a spiritual hatred. I also attribute some of it, Pastor, to ignorance. You know, you say, why do you have all these people protesting and and supporting the Palestinians? And part of it is just an ignorance of history. The left tries to perpetrate this lie that Israel didn't come into existence until 1948. It's only 75 years of age, and when they came into existence, they stole the land from the poor Palestinians. No, Israel has been in existence for 4,000 years. We know not only from the Bible, but from archaeology that David was there in 1,000 BC in Jerusalem and established Jerusalem as the capital. That is historical archaeological evidence. So, we need to retrain people to understand the true history of
1: Israel, which
3: is far different than what the left is telling us.
1: That, you know, we talked about, uh, you mentioned the anti-Semitism and things. Are you surprised, or did you see this coming, how strong the anti-Semitic response has been, how open it is in our universities, on our streets, in uh, not just in the United States, but throughout the West, really? Did that surprise you how, how... Big it is, or yeah, yeah. it did the intensity
3: of the support and the intensity of support for evil, like Hamas committed. It's just unbelievable, and yet it's exactly what the Bible says is going to happen. I mean, there's great indication that Israel is going to be alone. Uh, in her fight. And of course, not to get into the weeds too deeply, but there is a battle, the Bible will prophesize between the king of the north, many believe that's Russia and Israel, that Israel will actually win sometime in the early part of the tribulation. And the world will be astounded that Israel, because of God's support, won this battle. So all of this is lining up Pastor. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I think we can see how easily it could happen and could happen quickly.
1: And for everybody listening, you know, maybe you're listening and uh, you are. You don't really know the Bible very well, and that can be somebody who goes to church and somebody who doesn't. You, maybe you don't understand the Christian faith. We talked about you know what people should be doing uh, in the last segment. How does somebody come to Jesus, uh, Pastor? Somebody who's listening right now who's saying, you know what, I think you're right. There's something different about Israel and this conflict, and it's stirring in my soul. How does somebody respond to that?
3: Well, like Tip O'Neill used to say, all politics are local. And so is religion. It's not about how does it affect somebody else. The question is, what's going to happen to me when I die, when I come to my end of times? And the most important thing in life is to be in a right relationship with God. People ask me all the time, is this group going to be in heaven or is this group... People don't go to heaven in groups. We go one by one based on our relationship with God. The only people who are going to be in heaven are forgiven people, people who have trusted in Jesus, who came 2,000 years ago to die for our sins. And when we come to that point that we are sorry for our sins and we believe with all of our hearts that Jesus took the penalty for our sin. And when we place our faith in him and not in ourselves, we have eternal life. And that's the best way to prepare for the inevitable end times, whether it's the end of the world or our end.
1: You know, if you're listening and uh, you want to know more about that, you can uh, reach out to me here. You can write me at pastorscott at kkla.com, and I'd love to get back with you. And uh, my guest is Dr. Robert Jeffress. He is the author of the new book, Are We Living in the End Times? Biblical Answers to Seven Questions About the Future. We just have a couple of moments uh, left. I think this book is going to be comes out tomorrow. You can find it on uh, Amazon.com now and wherever books are sold. You said it's going to be at— Uh, Hobby Lobby, right at the front, they said they would put it there, lots of places. When you said that, I thought, you know what, I think there's a lot of non-Christians who are going to grab this book.
3: Well, I hope so, because it's simple, it's easy to read. If the idea of uh, the end times uh, confuses you, whether you're a Christian or non-Christian. I think you'll appreciate uh, the simplicity and, and the most important thing about the book, Pastor, is these aren't my ideas, my speculation. It's all from the Word of God that gives us clear answers about the future.
1: Yeah, and that's important for all of us and believers to know that is that there's a lot of speculation out there, but we have a book. With an awful lot to say about what's coming uh, at the end times. We need to follow that. And that's what your book helps us do.
3: That's right. And uh, appreciate your having me on and allowing me to talk about the book. Are we living in the end times? I
1: appreciate it very, very much. Uh, Pastor uh, Dr. Robert Jeffers, uh, you got good Christmas plans coming up? Going to New York City. So, (laughs) freezing
3: in New York.
1: You're going to be out there for New Year's and that ball drop standing there in uh, Times Square?
3: We did that one time <laughs> in 2000 when we, the millennium, we were there.
1: You were it. there. That's, uh, that's really good. Out here, we uh, sometimes we go to the Rose Parade and we say, one time, we're going to do that. <laughs> you know, we can watch it right. on TV. Well, Pastor Robert Jeffress, thank you for being with us. And it's always great to have you on the Pastor Scott Show. Thanks for having me, Pastor. All right. God bless you. And uh, the book, again, is called Are We Living in In the End Times? Biblical Answers to Seven Questions About the Future. Comes out tomorrow, so you can order that right away. And, you know, I think you're going to get a lot out of that book and that discussion, because I think it is something that's on our heart. But As we talked about, it's so important that we realize that we aren't called as believers to wait around for that to happen, that there's something for us to do. I'm always amazed when I go through the book of Revelation that Jesus begins by letters to seven churches and uh, saying, uh, you're doing well at this, but you're not doing well at this. And there is an action that we're expected to do as followers of Jesus, because this is the most serious thing that there is following Jesus Christ. The most important endeavor ever given to human beings is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And if you're a follower of Jesus, I would invite you to pray for the people who are in your life who are watching this on the news going, what is this? Why does this matter so much? We have those questions. The people you work with, the people you go to school with, the people that are in your family, your next door neighbors, I believe that God put those people in your life on purpose and that part of your job is to be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have and also to share with them when you have that opportunity your life to care for them to pray for them and to ask God how God how can you use me in the life of the people that you've placed around me would you pray that prayer and as you think of all these things our hope is in Jesus Christ the hope of the world is in Jesus Christ it's not in whether or not Israel wins the war it's not in our election for next year it's not in any election or Washington DC or any of those things our hope is in Jesus Christ. And as he's told us, he's coming. And he, you know, whatever turns out to be true, as far as history unfolds, the Bible is going to play out just like it says. And however you fill those blanks in, Jesus is going to do it. And uh, that time is coming for all of us, whether we're here when he actually uh, comes or whether we pass away uh, before that. Uh, I encourage you to do that. This is the Pastor Scott Show. We're on each and every day from 3 to 5, and if you want to get a podcast of this episode or any of our hours on our program, just go to your favorite podcast app and look for the Pastor Scott Show, the Pastor Scott Show, and uh, click follow or subscribe to that. You can send that or even this hour with Dr. Robert Jeffress to uh, a friend. Maybe you've got a friend who's asking these questions. You want to hear that? Take a moment to do that. You can also take a moment to follow me on social media at Pastor Scott Show, Facebook, X, and Instagram. We'll be back as our two of the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned.